0: Hello and welcome to another weekly teaching from Vineyard Community Church, St. Louis. How's everyone doing this morning? Good? Oh, that's great. There's some energy in the room. That's good. Glad, glad. It's fall. Fall's my favorite time of the year. Um, I also like to call it autumn if I'm feeling like more in a poetical mode, Um, but it got me thinking about like, do you say fall or autumn more? Like, what do you guys call it? Thanks, Timothy. (laughs) Timothy wins. He was the loudest. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so it's good to be here with you this morning. I'm glad you chose to be here. Um, Last week, I don't know if you remember uh, Carrie's announcements that were assisted with AI intelligence. No, it's redundant. They were just uh, assisted by artificial intelligence, developing her, her promotions for various things. And this made me so happy because I just really thought it was so funny when she was promoting the, um, the gathering tables that you could sign up for, A.I. said, sign up for an opportunity to judge other people's houses. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's so good. And then uh, David ends up in his teaching coming up later, and he talks about some pamphlets that existed in the olden days that apparently like used like, a house as a metaphor, and have you let Jesus into your house, and... Some people let Jesus in, but then only let him into the entryway. And I was like, it's because they secretly think Jesus is there to judge the inside of their houses. And it just made me so happy that this fun thing that Carrie did actually kind of like lined up with what David was talking about that day. And even kind of lines up with what I want to talk about today. It's like, why do we leave Jesus at the entryway? Like, why do we let him in and then kind of keep him in that one spot? And I think it's because we don't totally believe he's not like that, that he really just wants to get in all of our stuff and judge us and point out our messes, point out the things that aren't working right, point out, like, our broken faucets or whatever, and then tell us the ways that we've kind of diminished our market value. We think that this is kind of what Jesus wants to do. And it made me think of the show um, Friends, I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with it, the character on there named Monica, she was like this clean, I don't know the freak is the right word, she was very, very tidy and insistent on her tidiness, and she always kept everything immaculate and organized, and in this one episode, her husband ends up finding this secret closet that's just jam-packed with junk. Like you open up and nothing falls out because it's packed in there so tightly. And she's just absolutely mortified that he found this and she doesn't want him to tell anybody else because she's worried that if people knew she had all this junk in there, it would change how they see her. It would change the way she wanted to be seen. And so we do that, right? We have these things that we hide from others, sometimes things we even try to hide from ourselves, and things even when we kind of know on this theological level that God knows everything about us, we still kind of want to hide those things. And I think part of the reason why, even though we hear, like, Jesus loves us, God loves us, David's message was so good last week about how much God actually loves us, we're not always certain we can trust in his love. It's like we can know he loves, it, loves us, but can we trust in his love? And the series we're in is called The Way In is the Way On. And it's talking about, you know, inviting Jesus to go in to our whole house, that metaphor, into all the places of our interior spaces. Um, and in order to do that, in order to say that prayer that Caleb offered for us in the first week of the series, which is search me, God, and know my heart. I think it can be really helpful to understand why God wants to do that, like why he wants to be invited in. It can be really helpful for us to know kind of what his motives are, like why why does he want to be in the whole house? Why isn't the entryway an okay place for him to stay? So that's what I'm hoping um, to cover this morning, is to explore what God wants. But I want to start our time with just a little bit of prayer, a little space for silence. Allow ourselves to just kind of catch up with being here, being in this room. And then I'm also going to pray for the offering. And if you're a guest... Don't worry about the offering. It's not for you. It's for our committed members. And if you're a committed member, you know it's on vcclifeorg slash give, or a box, or the mail. You guys know how to do it. Okay, so, Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, all of you, God, we welcome you. Prepare our hearts, each of us individually and all together, to receive what you want us to receive today. Thank you for bringing us here to this moment. And help us stay present to this moment. Take all that we give to you, God, including our finances, and use it to grow your kingdom in us and around us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so there's lots of options in scripture to, like, a place to start to discover what God wants, and um, they're actually, it's the same answer pretty much throughout, it just has different flavors depending on where you're landing, you know, because they, you know, the vibes were different in the different times, and um, so I just felt like I could choose the one that stood out to me the most as I was praying, I felt like that was what I could do. I could just choose, which is delightful. So I want to start in the book of John. um, And I'm going to be reading to us the prayer that Jesus prays for all believers. And he's praying this prayer just before he gets arrested, just before he gets beat and goes to trial and the process of the cross begins. And that's where I'm going to read Um, I'm going to read it once without the words on the screen, and then I'm going to be nice to you guys this time, and I'll put the words on the screen so that you can do that. But you're welcome to follow along if you want. But primarily, I want you to just be listening, um, taking in the words that I'm saying versus reading along. Uh, And then also, I want to add that at this church, we believe that Jesus is fully God and fully man. And so when Jesus is talking, for us, that's just the same exact thing as God talking. We see that the same. And that's why in so many um, Bibles, whether it's hard copy or digital, uh, when Jesus speaks, it can be printed in a different color. And it's to make it stand out as separate from a human voice and as the voice of God. Okay, so this is John chapter 17, and I'm going to be reading verses 20 through 26. My prayer is not for them alone. And the them he's talking about is the disciples. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, which is all of us, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So, I know the print's really small, but I wanted it all on one screen. Um, But I want you to notice all the be with talk that Jesus had, the be with language that Jesus had in his prayer. As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that they may be one as we are one, I in them, and you in me. So that the love you have for me may be in them, and I in them. There's so much with, and like, really, like, in them with, not just alongside with. And at the very center of this prayer, in the center of all this with language, is this really clear statement of what it is that Jesus wants, what it is that God wants. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. Father, this is Jesus' prayer. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. Everything that happened after this prayer, that Jesus' death his resurrection, his ascension, all of that culminates in an unlimited witness, where the Spirit of God comes to live in anyone and everyone who declares with their mouth Jesus is Lord and believes in their heart that God raised him from the dead. The Spirit of God comes to dwell in them, live in them. You know, Jesus, the other name for him, is Emmanuel. We typically only hear that around Christmas time. It's in lots of songs, and we talk about the the miracle of God coming in a human form to this earth. And Emmanuel means God with us. And God with us in that human form is a beautiful thing. But God with us in a human form was limited to like space and time. Like you could only be with Jesus then if you were in the same town as he was or in the same village as he was or on the same boat he was. And that wasn't enough, Witness for Jesus. He wanted a witness so much that it was within us so that we could never be left, never forgotten, never forsaken, that there wouldn't ever be a moment without him. Jesus wanted that. Father, I want to be with those you have given me, to be with me where I am. So, you guys tracking? Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, is in every believer within. And so, that's the answer to the question What does God want? God wants to be with us. Back in uh, 2009-ish, I had to think hard to remember, but it was around that time. I was at this church, kind of newish to the community, um, and it was Sunday morning. We were worshiping, and during the worship time, this picture came into my mind And I've come to learn over time that God will often speak to me in pictures like these images that kind of just show up in in my head. And it can sound like a weird thing, and I don't have time to cover it, but if you're curious about what that is or what that means or what I'm talking about, please ask, or please ask someone else, because we would love to talk to you about that. Um, But it's just like kind of, you know, when you close your eyes and you can see things even though your eyes are closed. That was happening during worship. And this picture that I believe was from God was a picture of Jesus sitting in this really big overstuffed recliner. It was brown and kind of old and worn in, like the best way you want the recliner. And Jesus was sitting in it, feet up, you know, tilted back, reclining, legs crossed, totally relaxed. He was in his bright white glory robes, but like, just chill in this chair. And without him saying anything, without him like telling me or whatever. I had this sense that where that chair was, where Jesus was, was like in my metaphorical heart, you know? And he was just content. He was in my metaphorical heart space and he was content. And he smiled at me and he said, I like it in here. And for a second, I was like, oh wow, that's, that's so good. But then real fast, I was like, mmmm. <laughs> no, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like that, I don't think so. Because I have a constant running list of my faults and my failures and the things that aren't good, the things that I do that hurt others, like all these things. I, I know them and I know Jesus knows them. And so I was like, how can he stand to be here and say so he likes it in here knowing that like this mess is all around him? And then, because it's what I do, I was like, well, is it even theologically correct? Am I making this up? I thought this was from God. Maybe it's not. Maybe I'm fooling myself. And all these things go through my head. But I couldn't ignore it. I couldn't just move on from it, even after that Sunday morning. And so it sent me into this like, space where I was wrestling with God because I was unsettled about it. And wrestling just looked like being willing to talk to him about it willing to kind of look at scripture to maybe see if I was fooling myself, talking with others about what had come up, letting people pray for me. And what ended up happening through all that is that I became aware, sorry, that underneath my belief that God loved me was this other belief that he didn't like being with me. He loved me, but he didn't like being with me. And see, he loved me because he had to, because he's really, really trustworthy, and he had formed these covenants, and he's a covenant keeper. And so he had to love me to fulfill his covenants, and that's just what he had to do. But if it weren't for the covenants, he wouldn't choose to be with me. It's really what my heart felt. He would not choose to be with me. He kind of trapped himself with me. This is Grandpa Ted. Grandpa Ted on what is called, or what we called, maybe it wasn't the real name, we called it a Cuber. And this was on his 1,100-acre ranch in northern Nevada. And Grandpa Ted and I met when I was six, because he's actually my step-grandfather. And we met when I was six years old. Now, my mom and his son started dating, And we lived in the city. And I was a total city slicker, if you know what that is. I was just an urban girl. (laughs) And when I was six, I was in uh, my hardcore kind of princess phase, like always wore dresses and shoes, and I I tended to over-accessorize. But it just brought brought me lots of joy to be that way. Like I wanted to grow up to be, you know, Gilda from The Wizard of Oz, you know, that fairy. I just loved how she dressed. So I was dressed like this my first time coming to the ranch, my first time out there, and I remember I had on these white boots, these really pretty little white boots, and we got out of the car whatever. I don't even know how I got there, but next thing I know, I'm in a mud puddle, and not just like the loose mud, it was this sticky, gelatinous goo mud. And I looked down and I was like, "Ah." and then I tried to take my foot out and it tried to pull my boot off and I lost it. I mean, I just started screaming because I was terrified of dirt. I didn't want to be at this place. We had to ride like, on dirt roads to get there, and the closer we got, I was already feeling like, this is going to ruin things. <laughs> and it did. It was ruining my boots. <laughs> and I was like, they'll never recover. Oh, I, was, I, I mean, so I was screaming. I really was screaming. I was a little... I was screaming. There's no other word about it. And <laughs> so next thing I know, this really tall, skinny man comes out of like the main house. We called it the camp, and it was just where the, all the other houses were in the center of the, the ranch. And this really tall, old, skinny man comes walking out, and he walks this, like really this unnaturally fast speed. Like he, he's walking, but not running, but moving really, really fast. And this look on his face, and he comes over, and when he finds out why I'm screaming, he is unpleased. And he very seriously, I mean, like his face, you know, with the veins and the face and the veins and his whole changing colors. And he was just very firm. He's like, here, unless a snake has bitten you or something is cut off, you do not scream. And I was like, ah! I was like oh, okay. So that was my first memory of, of Grandpa Ted was that encounter. But Grandpa Ted was also really hardworking, one of the hardest-working men probably I've ever known, honestly. He took providing for his family so seriously, so seriously. He could fix anything mechanical, totally brilliant, without training or like know-how. He would just know how to fix things. He was very, very private and very, very quiet. I think his average daily word count was 20. That would be my guess. Unless he was mad, and then there was lots of words, and they usually were kind of colorful. <laughs> um, and he was known for that walk I talked about. Like as time went on, it was it was really funny. When anyone, it didn't matter your age or your size, if you saw that walk, you hid. People were like, <laughs> just disappear. And it was so distinct. It was almost like he was moving on one of those like runways at the airport. Except you know I, it, It was a very, it was a thing, and so you knew and you hid, and he had this zero tolerance for rule breaking, um, or nonsense. And it wasn't to be mean; it was actually because he like really cared about people's safety, and he knew all the dangers of things, especially around farm equipment, um, really big machinery, all these things. So he he just no nonsense for rule breaking of any kind. And he also wasn't a big fan of children, you know? And he suddenly got this like instant child that was around a lot. Uh, He was definitely one of these like, children are best neither seen nor heard. And uh, he was kind of like, if you mind your business, I'll mind mine. That's kind of how he was towards kids. And so it was obvious to me through, like from that first day really, but throughout our time that he didn't really want to be with me. He was with me because he had to, because he had a son that was falling in love with my mom, and I came with my mom. And I remember, by, the time, this, by this point, my mom and stepfather had married. And I remember one time, I think it was like in the third grade-ish or so, there was like on the, the table, there was just like this word puzzle left out that was unfinished. And, you know, there was not a whole lot of people to play with, you know, because the closest town was an hour away, and I just sat down and decided to solve the puzzle. So I solved this little puzzle, and I go off and mind my own business. <laughs> well, then later in the day, Grandpa Ted calls my name, <laughs> and he's like, did you do this? And I was like, yes, <laughs> I did. And the look on his face, there was just this, like, small little twitch of his eyebrow. This like little nod, and I could tell he was pleased. He wasn't actually mad, he was pleased. And I was like, oh. And then not too long after, he gave me some more puzzles. He had found some other ones for me to like try, like with these word puzzles and bring, like solving thingy type things. And it did not take me any time at all to figure out, If I want Grandpa Ted to like having me around, I just have to do the things he likes me to do. He likes this. If I do this, he likes being with me. And it worked. When I was working on puzzles, he would let me sit at his desk as long as I was quietly working on my puzzles. And this relationship with my Grandpa Ted, I would say perfectly captures what I believed about my relationship with God. God would take care of me, He would save me. He would even, you know, do all the dying for me. But unless I did everything he wanted, and just so, he didn't want to be with me. Now, there's a lot of things that went in to me believing this about God. But Grandpa Ted was definitely one of them. He wasn't the only one, right? But he was one of them. And that's because our human experiences of love, or the lack of it, deeply impact us, shape us. They influence how we think about God and how we think God thinks about us. Especially the ones from when we're very young. You know, even after we decide to follow Jesus, we can misunderstand him. We can misunderstand who it is we're following. The disciples misunderstood Jesus all the time. And Jesus was always eager and always ready to help them see past what it is they already thought they knew about him. In fact, Jesus gave so much time and so much attention, right, to a very concentrated group of people. They got so much time and so much attention. Because he was telling them and showing them who he was. He was proclaiming and demonstrating the reality of who he was and what he thought about them. And after all the showing and all the telling that Jesus did, and it's all of it, you know, because the disciples knew this whole first chunk. They knew all of that and all of that Jesus did the cross, the resurrection, the ascension, Pentecost, where we became filled with the Holy Spirit. What did the disciples conclude? All that information, all that experience, what did they conclude? John writes about it in 1 John. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Because of everything that Jesus did, because everything he showed them and taught them, because of their personal encounters with him, their one-on-one moments with him, all of that helped them know and believe the love. Not believe in God, they already did that but to believe the love that God has for us. Some translations even say to trust the love God has for us. And not only do they understand, or not only do they now believe because of personal experience that they can trust in the love of God, they're now understanding the impact of abiding in the love of God. See, they've learned through all this that when you give Jesus the okay to go beyond your entryway, when you give him the okay to go into your whole house, into all those spaces that you don't want anyone to see, especially Jesus, the impact is this. By this is love perfected in us. So that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. God's abiding love. That love, by it we are perfected. Or some translations say, made whole. Jesus wanting to be with us isn't about making us better isn't about making us more likable or more valuable. We are not projects to Jesus. He wants to be with us so that there is no part of us, not even a single thought, not just even a single thought, that isn't abiding in, soaked in, made whole in, completely confident in his love. I was certain that Grandpa Ted did not want to be with me because experience taught me that. Accumulated encounters with him helped me know he did not want to be with me. My senior year of high school, uh, Grandpa Ted was diagnosed with a very advanced and very aggressive form of lymphoma. He was given very little time to live, and he decided to not do treatment based on all the other details. And not long after his diagnosis, I (coughs) decided to take a friend out to the ranch, because we weren't living there at the time we moved back to the city. And I wanted to take her to the ranch, because the ranch was one of my most favorite places on Earth. I loved it there. And honestly, I was not thinking much about Ted. Like, would he want a stranger coming to his house while he's dying of cancer? I wasn't thinking any of that. Totally selfishly motivated. I just wanted to go to this place that I knew was beautiful and meaningful to me, and I was gonna go. I was gonna see the trees that I love, and I was gonna get on my three-wheeler, and I was gonna take my friend, and we were just gonna go out in the fields and spend the day. And so we drove out to go see him, or go out to see the ranch. And I came in, and there was all these rules about the speed that you can enter camp, and the rules about where to park. And so I followed them, I had learned and I knew. So I came in and I parked just the right way I was supposed to and just the right spot I was supposed to. And as I got out of the car, I saw the walk. And I was like, oh no, I did it. Quick check, I did everything right. And the closer and closer he got to me, I realized he was smiling. And when he got right up to me, he hugged me. Never, in all the years I knew him, had he ever hugged me. And it wasn't a brief hug. It was like this, and I'm gonna hold you. And as he was hugging me, he's like, oh, I'm so glad you're here. And we went inside and we chatted and he like asked questions and like, it was clear To all of me that he wanted to be with me. For me, that was crazy. It was disorienting. It was really, really good, but also really, really confusing. Grandpa Ted wanted to be with me. And we had accumulated years of knowing that he did not want to be with me. And that one moment, in that hug, in that greeting, in that embrace, his wanting to be with me infiltrated all those years of him not wanting to be with me. Everything I knew, everything I'd experienced, those didn't go away, but now they were all in light of that he really wanted to be with me. And this is the power of God in us the power of God with us, his abiding love. If just a man and a broken man could hug me and transform all that, imagine what the love of the creator of the universe can do. He can make whole every pain, every regret, every lie, every wound, every sin, and whole in a way that infiltrates the whole past. Now, Jesus knows trust is built. And this is why he doesn't just barge in. It's why he waits for you to ask. It's why he's willing to stand there for as long as he needs to stand there for you to ask him. If you are not sure you want to say in full honesty, like when you're in private and you're not at church, that you want to say to God, search my whole heart, that's okay. God already knows why you don't want to ask that question. But you can ask just a little. Like maybe not my whole heart, God, just a little. and let him show you with that little part that you can trust him with? Because this is ultimately what the way in is all about. When we're talking about the way in is the way on, what we are talking about is learning to trust the love of God. Learning to trust the love of God. And not because you're forcing it out of you, but because he shows you bit by bit by bit that you can actually trust his love. The way in begins with hearing, always does. Hearing that God loves you, hearing that he wants to be with you. Going a little bit to see if that's really true. And it always ends with a deeper understanding of how true that is, that God loves you and wants to be with you. And this phrase, by this is love perfected, is that happening. Letting all of you bit by bit be touched by the love of God, the abiding love of God, becoming more and more and more whole. So that you eventually get to the point where you start to understand that the width and the height and the depth of God's love can't actually be seen. Because it's so massive, because it's so big. And it's no longer just a scripture verse or a song or things that people say. It's something that you actually know and delight in, that his love is that big. So now today, I have no doubt, no doubt in my mind that Jesus loves sitting in that overstuffed recliner in my, you know, my metaphorical heart. And I'm convinced of that, body, mind, soul, because I was willing to be brave and vulnerable and do those little incremental bit by bit by bits. And there were sometimes, you know, it wasn't incremental. Sometimes a big thing would happen and like a larger move would happen where I was more convinced in a wider way. But for the majority, it really is these tiny moments adding up. And I still have, ooh, so much junk. (laughs) There's so much stuff. But the stuff doesn't make me feel like there's a chance Jesus doesn't wanna be with me or a chance that he's gonna reject me. In fact, I don't even think he'll cringe. I'm not like, ooh, let's look at it, but I'm not afraid, because I know, I know on the other side of it, what it, what it is, is more love. I was spending some time yesterday with some friends who uh, prayed for me at the end um, of hanging out, because they knew I was teaching today, and they were just loving on me. And while they were praying for me, I felt like um, God asked me, he's like, well, what do you want? And I was like, well, I'm not supposed to be talking about that. I'm supposed to talk about what you want, God. That's what we're doing. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, that's fine. He's like, I want you to think about maybe saying what it is that you want. And so after the prayer time, when I was on my own. I had to pray more on my own. To, like, what, do you, what are you getting at, Jesus? What are you after? What do you want me to say? And he's like, what do you want? Um, And after sitting and allowing myself to be settled, this is what came up that could capture what it is that I would want. I don't know, a real long time ago, like 20 years ago, I had been reading this like list of really bad pickup lines, you know, because those kinds of things super crack me up, especially because I know people are probably actually seeing them, other people. <laughs> and I like to create the scene in my head, like, oh, okay. And there was this one that just stuck with me because it made me laugh so hard, it was so funny. And this was the pickup line, You're, like the, the guy I guess is supposed to say to the gal when he walks up to her, I was like, hey, I fell into a pile of you and got love all over me. <laughs> And it just stuck. I thought that was so funny. I used to say it to Jeremy all the time and he would just roll his eyes. But as I prayed about what do I want, particularly for like this morning, but beyond this morning, when I prayed about it, I kept thinking about that. And it's like, you know what I want? I'd want like someone to be like, what is the matter with her? And you'd be like, oh, Danielle, she just fell into a pile of Jesus got love all over her, you know? Like, that's true, it's corny, it's silly, but it's true, it's the desire of my heart that what anybody would ever know about me is that I know how good God is, how good his love is, that I am loved by him. And it's actually what I would want for all of you, right? And so people are like, what is the matter with those people up on the Horty Ferry Road? Oh, them? They just fell into a pile of Jesus and got loved all over them isn't that a beautiful thing to think of God's love being all over us inside and out isn't that like motivational for why you can say yes to the way in to letting Jesus go a little more is to know that you would be that like a person who visibly has Jesus' love all over you That's my prayer for us, for sure, whether you want it or not. (laughs) So our exercises during the series, we're calling Following the Way In, and that's just following Jesus in. Jesus is also known as the way, so it's very clever. Following the way in. Um, So this week's exercise I invite you to consider doing is God really wants to be with you. If you are already 100% convinced of this, like you just know this is true, even though you know you got other stuff, that you're convinced, I want you to spend intentional time every day this week in awe and gratitude that you know that. That's a huge gift to know that his love is abiding within you and that he wants to be with you. But if you're not so sure, if there's like elements to this, eh, you know, or you just, I don't know, you'll know, you know when you know that you're not sure. Just spend time talking honestly to God about why you're not sure. Just name it. You don't have to hide it. And then consider asking him to show you why you feel that way. Because sometimes the answer is different. Why we think we are versus God. And then maybe even ask him to show you why you can trust him. So the worship team can come up, Uh, David can also come up, um, because we're going to move into baptisms, and baptisms are a beautiful thing, and it's an expression of the love of God. So I will let uh, David take over. Thanks. Yeah.